0: blood talk radio
1: The Great Andrew Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts. Your your host here, Oscar Lopez. We're gonna have a great show today. We have the uh, W Bowl two recap. We talk about here in the next hour or so, and then we have the back-to-back champion running back from the St. Louis Slam, Taylor Hay, who's going to talk about their back-to-back championship wins on Friday. Uh, St. Louis beat Tampa Bay Inferno 42 to 15. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, at MyWSports um, who covered both uh, the the, y, um, the W Bowl action on Twitter. They did a wonderful job as well as Kyle Westcott on the uh, recaps. So if you don't follow them, follow them at MyWSports on Twitter. You can go to Facebook as well, MyWSports, or you can go to our Facebook page and get the link there to their page and make sure you go like them. And, um, amazing job covering the final as well with the Dallas elite taking it finally Dallas elite 31 21 uh, an amazing showing both by the elite and the renegades at this point. And so um, it was a great showing on both sides. Uh, OJ uh, Jenkins finally gets her championship win with her gold medal. Just nice to see. Um, And they're going for another one from what I hear from the celebration. So that was awesome as well. Um, And then Arkansas, who nobody would have thought would be able to come through, but they did. They went all the way down to Oregon, and then they came back all the way to Pittsburgh. And uh, it was a field, goal, a field goal match, the Division Three championship, 42-26. Uh, the Wildcats do defeat the Orlando Anarchy. Orlando had an amazing season this season, so we got to shout out to them as well. I'm actually on the road uh because of some things that happen with my stuff at home so if you get any static or noises it's because i'm on the road doing the show and uh so i apologize for that ahead of time uh the all-american game was 2020 it was the national conference beating the american conference in the wfa uh championship so the w bowl two a lot of excitement there so we're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes here with taylor hay um i do not know if in coming on i try to get a hold of her this week, and I don't know if something's going on with her connections, but uh, we'll see if she chimes in as well. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the, um, the storm that happened this past, um, this week. In the last couple of days, it's been uh, pretty much uh, Mitchell Mortaza responding to some of the posts that the women's leagues have posted, and apparently he took offense to it. And so we had Katie Sowers responding to it, plus other uh, WFA and IWFL players strongly responding on all the message boards and group boards. So we're going to talk to uh, Taylor a little bit about that. And we'll also dive into that and some of the history that's behind it and going forward. And then we'll uh, also talk about the LFL playoffs coming up on August 20th. From the beginning of the season, we pretty much knew that, that was going to be it. Uh, but overall that's what we'll be diving into this hour so. Let me um, see if we can uh, fine tune here. Uh, give me a second here, and let's see what we got going on. Uh, I'm trying to take my notes because I'm on the road. Like I said, I apologize, um, and so I will go ahead and dive that in. And so um, let's see if I got Taylor on the line here, and see if she's on. Taylor, is that you?
0: Yes, this is me.
1: Hey Taylor, how's it going? I hope you had a great weekend in Pittsburgh. Oh, I
0: did. It was wonderful.
1: Awesome. Good to hear. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the weekend, the event. Uh, we had the Division Three Championship on Friday. Um, I don't know if you watched it. Arkansas really, you know, punched it in after coming over from, you know, beating Southern Oregon, and all of a sudden they punch it in sort of an emotional game for both of those clubs.
0: Uh yes, I agree. Uh we didn't get to watch it live, uh, but we were able to watch it um on the uh like uh, our telephone or, or an iPad. Um but uh we did actually have a chance to speak with a few of the the players from Arkansas and I we didn't realize that they um only had 11 people and um they actually only went to Oregon with 12, they said. So they drove 32 hours in cars to get to Oregon, and they won. And so I, I definitely think they deserved um, – well, both teams, like you said, really deserved um, to win, you know, if they came out on top, and Arkansas just happened to do so.
1: Yeah, and it was a kind of an a exciting story because we're looking at this division really like last year. You had uh, Zydeco um, go all the way, and then this year sort of like – it's anybody's division, and it made it more exciting, I mean, for us to follow as fans that you can actually get, you know, a lower squad team given the opportunity to go to their own championship, which in the past that wasn't the case. So it's really nice and refreshing to have that, um, you know, the the Division three championship now, you know, and it's like it's, it might change hands almost every year given how everything's going.
0: Well, I agree, and it also gives um, us a chance to see, like, other teams, like in different divisions. And then, um, like, it gave, like, my family and friends back home to see uh, other teams play that I we don't get to see during the season. So um, I think it's a wonderful benefit that the league has created these tiers.
1: Yeah, and I think the benefit there, because if a, a squad can actually only come up with a certain amount of a man roster, then that's okay, too. You know what I mean? So I think that's where the issue was at some point. Um, sort of, I think the WFA, if they stick to this method, it's more like minor league baseball. You know, A, AA, AAA, and then you get to the big stage. Um, so even if your organization never get, even if your organization never gets to the big stage, you do have your own uh, championship stage. And I think that's that's the best benefit.
0: Yeah, and it allows each team to continue to build instead of having to fold because like, they don't have numbers because there's no recognition for you know not just women's football but maybe football in their own particular city. So yes, it's nice.
1: All right, so Taylor, am I gonna take anything away from your performance? Great game. What about your defense? Oh my God, I was watching the game. I know and, uh, they're amazing. And I mean yep. these uh, <laughs> these these girls are
0: they're they're they're
1: serious, and you guys. You know, last year you guys put a thirty-eight to seven whooping on this same club, and I'm pretty sure it was fresh yeah. on their mind when they cut when they walked into Pittsburgh. <laughs> but you right. know what? I got I got to give credit. I don't want to take anything offensive away from the offensive side of the ball, but wow, this slam defense, yeah, it's for real.
0: And actually, they'll probably like when they hear this, they're gonna just they're gonna love you forever. You're gonna be their new their new favorite person because um, just like in soccer, like a lot of times like people who score goals get all the recognition. So offense and football, um, usually gets the recognition versus defense and so um they always say that they're the redheaded stepchildren. So um any article that's written, you know, it always has like, Oh, how many yards did Jamie throw for, how many yards did Taylor rush for? But it never really goes in depth about, you know, how well our defence and our defense is amazing. Like they are the reason, um, that we win games. So, yeah, we put up a lot of points. But throughout the season, that wasn't always the case, where we were just able to score, score, score. Um, And then there were times, like in the high game, where we took until the fourth quarter to score. So our defense really, really always puts us in a great position to be successful.
1: Yeah, throughout the season, that was the one thing I noticed about your, uh, you know, when we got feedback, like from Arch City or Riverfront News, where they were covering a lot of your stuff, which, uh, you know, hats off to them. For continuing to cover uh, your team as well as the league in season, but based on mm-hmm. that information that we got, there was a lot of a lot of times in each of those games through the season that, like you said, the the, the key was right there. The championship the, to win the championship, you got to have great defense. And I mean, just the first series on the first possession of I think of the Inferno, um, they got they got they got shut down. I mean, in their own. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. like the first series, they just, <laughs> they came to play. It's like, you know, it's like throwing steak on, on Ravage Dogs. They were just ready, well, ready and to actually, eat up. Uh,
0: we, we talked about it because, you know, um, I've, I'm always a speaking captain and my coach always, he always says, you know, hey, we're going to defer, we're going to take the side, whatever. So, when they won the toss and they chose to receive the ball, I told I told the defense, like, they're basically saying, like, we're going to score on this this first drive. So no matter what defense you guys bring, like, they're saying, we want the ball now and we're going to score. Like, to me, that was greedy. So I let them know, like, and so they were kind of, you know, pissed off. Like, oh, so that's – they really thought they were going to come here and score first. So I think they were a little, you know, amped up for that too.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, and just the fact that you guys punch it in early. seven zero, just sent a message. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the message was really, you know, back at you. And then uh, you, you, you get a pick on top of that and then makes it, you know, 14-0. You know what I mean? It's it's just like it's it's a la Dallas Elite, (laughs) if I want to say that, (laughs) during the regular season. It was like a la Dallas Elite, you know what I mean? (laughs) Up front, ready to steamroll. Um, And so you guys get some picks. I mean, um, Kayona Smith picks off uh, as well. I mean, gets picked off or picked off off the uh, Inferno. And then you guys uh, Mm -hmm. punch in, I think, 21-0 with, I believe, your score. Uh, zero at, at the at the even before the first, so that was pretty yes. impressive yes
0: well, and I think like um our coach and I know i've mentioned it in a few articles before um the team that makes the least amount of mistakes wins, and then also um when teams make mistakes, if the other team is able to capitalize like that 's just what it is and and that that kind of was similar in the Boston and Dallas game, you know Boston made a lot of mistakes at the beginning and and Dallas was able to capitalize. So, in turn, it made it look like a lopsided game. And, not you know, both teams – I mean, all the teams across the board were evenly matched, you know. Um, I just think that, um, like Coach Kiyoy says, like one team – only one team is going to have um, – their season's going to end the way that they want it to, you know. And we were lucky enough for ours to be that way. But, you know, we put in the work. But, um, yeah, we, we, it was our day.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, and you guys spread the ball, it was yourself on uh, Alta, uh, Alta Peter and then on uh, uh who scored in the first, uh, at the end of the first. So you guys really came out, you know, to set the tone, and I think that's really what it was. And then in the set, starting the second quarter, the go again, you know what I mean? It's, it was sort of like into their territory halfway through the second, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, they get a pick to get back in the game, and they started to make a little comeback with uh, Chavez, um, and so it was 21-7 to seven, pretty much at, at the half, at the end of the first half. So um, that was a really the only weapon they had pretty much at this point. Defensively, they really didn't, you know, stand up. And so that was surprising given the fact that they got, you know, they got beaten last year and only scored one touchdown. You would think in their head they're coming in. They knew that you could score, but it just it wasn't the
0: case. Well, and I actually, I I really expected to have the run shut down because um, early in their season when we we played Minnesota Vixen, they figured it out Um, pretty much every play. There was probably like six girls that would like come straight to me, even when I didn't have the ball, just to make sure like we weren't going to run the ball. So I was really surprised when we were able to run it as well as we could, you know. So, and I know my coach, he probably wanted to throw a little more, and he probably expected to throw a little more, but he was like, the run's working. Like, we'll just go with it, you know.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you know, like you said, give it – if it's if it's there, why not? Um, and then you had that 36-yard TD pass uh, from uh, Gall to Price, and that extended mm-hmm. your guys' lead to 28-7. to 7. Uh, so you know, and then you obviously the Inferno literally just committed just too many penalties, I think, in general. And they just when when you guys got up, uh, it's a passing game now, and I think that sometimes scares a lot of teams because now you got to throw. It's like you you don't have the luxury yep. to run anymore. You really got to pass, mm-hmm. pass, pass. So um, I think that's the key, right there. And then um, you're starting the I think starting in the fourth, you guys, you know yourself again. Punches it in, and then all of a sudden it's 30, uh, 35 to seven, uh, with the fumble, a fumble recovery, and then you guys follow up with another touchdown by Kaylee. So um, God, I mean, it's like, like I said, I was I I, I don't want to take anything away offensively, but I was really impressed with the defense. The defense really, um, you know, they played really
0: good ball. Yeah, they really did. And actually, I mean all season they they they're just very impressive and like i said they're the reason like we always make it's a joke you know amongst our teammates like they always say like offense um sells tickets but defense wins championships you know so um we have a nice little joke amongst our teammates because it's the truth and we know it and the offense knows it. And so we. there's more than once we've been in situations where we have to tell our defense thank you because we put them in not-so-great situations and they have to pull us out of the hole and, you know, we appreciate it because sometimes offense takes a little bit to get a little rhythm and, you know, so.
1: So, Taylor, um, Jenkins wins it. <laughs> We all were talking yeah. about it weeks before. We've been talking about it all summer. Uh, you know, we got under her skin with the fact that the schedule is soft and they play a soft schedule and, you know, they got beat by the Divas twice, you know, under seven points. I mean, I think she was just tired of hearing it <laughs> because yeah, she came just, out and just know like what? a she's beast. Retiring.
0: <laughs> yep. And she's retiring. She just wanna gold medal. I think it was, it was definitely time, and I think that her goal was to build a dynasty in Texas and ultimately she has like their schedules weak because of where they are. Um, it's not necessarily their fault, but uh, obviously, like you know, there was arguments on Facebook, I shouldn't say arguments, conversations on Facebook um, in regards to masking and how it's set up. but at the end of the day, it's just a number system. Our coach never ever put any focus on it. Um, I know for them, it was um, going to be a factor when it came to traveling. Um, and so I understood that part of it, but, um, honestly, like they, like OJ wanted a dynasty in Texas and, and she has one, you know, and now she can retire with a gold medal and a ring and, uh, continue to coach and, and continue to build her dynasty, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, how more impressive is it first offensive snap and she goes 13 yards for a TD? That is right there. that oh. That alone was yeah. like, I'm here to, I'm here to win it. Um, I was impressed with Boston. I, I have to give Boston credit. Uh, Boston did not play their best first half. And a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, were, uh, you know, when we were online and everything, a lot of people were all like, out Patriots, all out Patriots, you know what I mean, for the second half. And you got to give Renegade B their credit to shut down Dallas for two quarters with the offensive woes that they were having, no real running game, passing game was not really there for them this this day. Uh, you know, the, rene- uh, the Renegade D also deserves credit.
0: Oh, oh, I agree. And I think that they finally figured it out. Uh, like they made some adjustments at halftime and they were able to put some points on the board. But I think the mistakes in the beginning um, cost them the game. And it, and it sucks because um, – it was evenly matched, um, but Dallas m- made them pay for the mistakes they made, which good teams do, you know. And and our coach always says like good teams will make you pay for your mistakes. You don't get to you don't get to make mistakes, and other teams don't capitalize on it when you ma- when you play a good teams. So we knew I knew going to, like I I didn't really ha- necessarily have a favorite going in, but I was excited because I knew it was going to be a really good game, and um, I was excited that Boston was back because I love watching them play.
1: Uh, when I watched
0: them in Chicago um, play when they beat the Surge, um, I was amazed. Like, I had I had never seen them play before. So, I was excited to see them again. And I know um, the quarterback, Cahill, she was hurt last year. So, it was good to see her back and moving so well. And she looks great.
1: Yeah, and I, I got to give her credit. I mean, she uh, worked hard in the offseason. You got to give Boston, the organization, credit, you know, from mm-hmm. the transition, from the militia, now to the front office transition where everybody's got to pick up, you know, uh, the ball with fundraising and all the intangibles that comes with running the organization, you know, and then to make it here. And know, all season they were tested, and I think that's what everybody uh, probably shouldn't forget. They were tested all season, and, and they would probably had the toughest schedule in terms of competitiveness. Uh, not that, yeah. you know, the elite not a competitive squad. It is, they are. But I'm talking about the schedule. So coming into this game, we all thought Dallas was good, you know, because they had a lot of weapons and they added weapons. But we also, we also knew that if it came down to a, a closer game or an equal amount of ground game, just like with versus the Divas the last two times, that Boston could stay with them. And this is what happened, like you said, to, to your point. Uh, they just basically, for two quarters, they did not play Boston ball, and then all of a sudden the last two quarters they did, and, the, and time, run, time ran out. That's really what happened because mm-hmm. they were really on the comeback. Because it was it was thirty one twenty one, all they needed was one score under uh, four minutes. They get that, and they're right there in it. You know, it's a one one score game. So, um, but I'm I'm happy for Dallas. You know, a lot of the players on Dallas uh, had former Diva players. You had former Force players. For now, uh, Goldsmith. Um, you know, there's a lot of players on the on the Dallas team, and some of them didn't experience that before. So it was it was right. nice to have that mix on the Dallas team where. Some of them, this is their first shot. Others, this is their third, you know, this was their third charm shot, and they finally get it. So it was a lot, of, a lot of rewarding in that sense.
0: Well, yeah, and then you have the rookies, you know, like for me, that's what was uh, pretty important for us. Like the rookies who, not only last year, rookies, but rookies this year, you know, you come in and you automatically get a ring. Like that's, I mean, it took me seven years to experience something like that. So I'm sure that that is such a wonderful feeling in that. And they can go back home and share that with everyone who, and then in turn maybe turn into more players and recruits and things like that. So it it's a great experience for everyone.
1: All right. So I don't think Ankeesha is going to come in today. And I know there's some issues going on there with uh, maybe connectability or stuff like that. So no problem. We will touch base with her and then hopefully she's back next week on our podcast. i am just let you know, Troy Wilson um, uh, I have, you know, sad, sad day for me yesterday and the day before, but, uh, Troy Wilson will no longer be on our podcast. Um, there's obviously things more important than podcast radio. <laughs> there's life things, family and everything else. And so, um, I wish Troy the best. He was a, a great, uh, commentator for us an insider for college and NFL. And so he will be missed greatly. So, um, that's one of the things that happens here sometimes, you know, just like a, in a regular football roster things just change you know you have to adjust so we will adjust and then go from there but if you guys want to catch uh, troy and his insights you can always go back to our uh previous podcast um on apple, uh, apple Podcasts and as well as a talk radio so troy thanks if you're listening great job, my, my buddy and uh, we will miss you so um so taylor you know, uh, tiffany hill played really good game besides jenkins and so the elite Literally, you know, they just they they came to win it, and they they, they mm-hmm. did not want to lose it this time. They were not in the mood to lose it, you know. And it just it was just a you know between Landry Hill and Jenkins, um, it was just you know one of those days for them. It was just all of it. I mean, they were up at halftime, 31 to seven. Um, we all figured Boston was going to come back. I mean, Boston is that good of a team. They had been down before in the season. Uh, even against even against Chicago, they came back.
2: So mm-hmm. we, all, you know, yep. we all
1: knew, we, you know, you, you got Cahill, you got Smith, um, and they got weapons as well. You got Zeely, if she gets on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we all knew that at some point they were probably going to step up their game. And so that's – and then, like I said, the defense, um, uh, Jenneru uh, and, and company there also, like I said, played pretty solid ball to hold the elite to no score for the second half. That was very impressive.
0: It was very impressive.
1: So Taylor, what's what's next for St. Louis football? No Rams in the NFL. No real—I mean, they got you got college and all that, but literally, this is your this is your town now. And two years in a row now, you guys have put yourselves best of the best in this league. So uh, you guys got to be very proud.
0: No, we yeah we are, and um, I know last year. Uh, we did, we probably had, I mean, first trial, like 45 people. So it you could tell that we had gained a lot of exposure. So I, you know, I hope we, we can double that. You know, we are losing three uh, veterans that are all three starters. So that will be an adjustment. Um, I think we plan to keep uh, the other core vets. I'm not sure because, you know, life plays out. We have people who want to start families and get new jobs and there's a lot going on and, you know, we don't get paid for these things. So uh, a lot of times we don't really know what it looks like, you know, January when everyone has to 100% commit themselves all over again.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it, it's always going to happen. It happens in regular life with, you know, organizations and businesses and everything, Then everybody has to adjust and, and do what they got to do. But you know what? Um, you guys have done well. Uh, we asked the question last year whether you're going to step away. And so we'll ask it again. Are you stepping away at this point? Is this the last ride, or, or is the itch still there? Oh
0: no, oh no. I'll I'll play until my body won't allow me to play anymore. So, um, so far I'm I, I feel healthy still. So, um, I mean this is year eight. So I I hope to get to ten. And after ten is when I I'll have to just evaluate year by year. <laughs> so for now, yes, I got a couple more years in me.
1: All right, so Taylor, I'm going to go hardcore here because uh, we've been, you know, we got the the Facebook post by um, Legends Football League uh, owner and founder, uh, Mr. Mortaza, and we had Katie respond to his response. And so, you know, I I really, I want to just make my statement first and then you can put your two cents. My statement is we cannot do comparisons here. It's oranges to apples. So the, Mm -hmm. the, the two sports are way different. OK, one, um, you know, one, some will say, you know, it's it's exploitation, which to some extent, it's marketing and it, it it is what it is in marketing. And and in another sense, they've been alive for nine years and probably profitable. So what I tell people in the WFA, which I've been I've been very impressed in the last two and a half years with the WFA leadership, minus some things that obviously could get, could get better. But, you know, they're making strides. And so I think. The WFA with the tier system. If they stick to this type of system, we will be start to, We'll start to open eyes to the general audience that maybe considers the LFL women's football. So to change that perception, we really need to do. You know, we need to do our part. You know, with the WFA, with the better marketing, maybe Metro, the Metro teams. You know, the DC, the Pittsburgh's, the Boston's, the Chicago's, the St. Louis. You know what I mean? The Dallas. We, we got to do a better job uh and then we got to just try to it, my my idea is try to get in the shadow of the NFL which you're already in you got Sam at the NFL. you got you got Jen walker in the nFL realms you got uh you know Katie already Katie, in the nFL yeah. realms so so I mean you know what i'm saying i my thing to uh the traditional women's right, uh, football right now is i'm telling you don't waste your time on something that the Legends Football League owner and founder is, is is coming up with. I know it fires you up, but you know, let's get your house in order. Let's get a pro league, six to eight teams, either on the East Coast, you know, or whatever it needs to take. Let's get the owners in the WFA to really do a strategic planning, you know, with funding and everything else that is what it's going to take to fund eight teams and get them to a, to another level, and then the the exposure and the audience will come. Uh, because you can only live on shock value for so long, and he does a good job at that. So, you know, you can't mock him for something that he's, you know, he's going with the trends. But, you know, the point of view is, you know, let's, let's continue what we're doing here and let's get to another level, live streaming, let's get to the next level. You know what I mean? Just, let's, get, let's get the big markets, which we own with NFL support, let's get those on the map, and that's what we need to do. Uh, yeah,
0: I would agree, and, and I think Katie uh, posted was beautifully written, and I think that also a lot of times many of the, um, I guess, the, the hatred or the anger or maybe the nasty comments or negative comments towards the league um, isn't always necessarily directed at the athletes specifically, because like Katie mentioned, like, we know there are D1 athletes there. Like, I, there are people I've met along the way that have been some of the greatest athletes. I know there's many D1 soccer players that play in that league and I think at first it was more so you know there was some sort of stipend where they were getting some sort of stipend to play and then there was there's only what four games a year so that's not necessarily that much of a commitment and then you know they like he said they they do get things paid for so it does seem more appealing however I think the standpoint when i and i and i guess i i probably speak for the majority of my wfa uh colleagues here that it's more so that we shouldn't have to wear that to get that exposure which like you said things would have to start changing we have to get to the next level for the wfa to be like be on that level but and also like you said you can't compare it there are apples and oranges and and for me i don't I don't play for uh, a million people to be watching me. Uh, so when he said that, you know, there's a jealousy, I don't think there is a jealousy. I don't think there's an envy because um, easily I could go move to Chicago or not even move to Chicago but play for, you know, an LFL team somewhere in, near St. Louis. So I don't, I don't necessarily think, I think. And I think there's a lot of players in the WFA that could and, and, and do because I think there's a few that do both um i'm not necessarily sure if that still happens but i know you know for a few years that was happening and um i don't ever judge anyone in any which way but i do think that i understand where they come from in a sense that we shouldn't have to expose ourselves uh to to get to to get exposure and also i think sometimes i mean that's just a we're women in a man's world and that's a, a constant battle we'll fight uh, and, and i think we're willing to fight it but uh i don't necessarily think that it should be okay the wfa versus the lfl because like you said they're, they're not really comparable so i don't think that the women and in because the, in the, they didn't have another option i think that's what they want to do so i think maybe those are women that like that exposure Judgment free still But I think that they like that So I don't think that they chose that route Because they didn't know about the WFA Because they don't want to play in the WFA uh, And maybe they don't Because, I mean, it, you don't get hit the same way um, I, I've i been hit by linebackers That look like Or way or, or size of some of my uncles You know, so I don't see many of, a lot of that in the LFL So, yeah, there's hard hits And, you know uh, But it, it's kind of a glorified flag leak to me so, I mean, I have yeah, and, and that's, athletes, but at yeah. football level, no, it's nothing. Like, you don't see people with stingers or, you know, I mean, torn labrums and dislocated shoulders. Like, it's a whole other world being hit, you know, in the WFA versus being hit in the LFL.
1: No, I agree. And that's why I'm saying it's like I, I really – that's why I try to, you know, when I post on the message boards, I, I don't post often because I don't want to get everybody – all riled up and everything, but I'm just going to say this, you know, like like you just said earlier, it is a choice. Each player can make a choice whether they want to play in both leagues or not. They're not getting paid in either league, so it is a choice to just, okay, if you have a if you have a fitness, you know, body and this mold fits you, that league, then you go that route. If you don't feel that way, then obviously you have alternatives and you can play in, you know, traditional 11-11 man or eight-on-eight. USWSFL used to play eight-on-eight. As well, so there's there's you know full kit in both styles. The, the only difference I think everybody needs to understand is that this league, the uh, Legends Football League, is a modified version of football, but it is not American mm-hmm. football. But you can still call it football. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just like Australian football is called Australian football. But it's not true football. It's Australian football. So Legends Football League basically falls into that modified category. So it's not true 11 11. You know what I mean? So, well, and, and, and and I think I think your I, analogy is correct. I think it's more flag, it's flag, but obviously with the tackling, that's really what it boils down. to.
0: Right, and it's almost like a mixture of like arena and flag, and then you know I don't know the caliber of the coaches because you're you're coaching football, but you're not. You're you're coaching the basics. Like they probably know basic routes, or but there's a whole lot of like pass pass block blocking schemes and and you know cover one two and three on defense like there's probably a lot of things and a lot of stunts that they don't ever get to be exposed to because the caliber of play is not the thing which like you said it's it's an entire separate entity and that's fine and it's like once again a choice just like I can choose to go play any other sport but for me it's a competitive thing because I think they're competitive but I think it's also built around okay if when you tackle her if you can if you can, you know, because I have a friend that lives in Chicago and she played, and the goal, she would get in trouble all the time because she would act because she played in the WSA first, she would get in trouble because she would spend so much time trying to hit someone so hard instead of focusing on, okay, well, when you do hit someone, can you, you know, expose their breast or or their bottom, you know, like – you know help make this more appealing. So for me that that's not something I want to do cuz that's not what I'm thinking about when I'm playing football. You know like when I hit someone I want to hit someone or when someone hits me I, I don't want them to try to, to you know take off all my clothes while I'm while they're doing it. You know so well uh, but people it's, make choices. It's
1: sports inter- it's it's sports entertainment. If you really get, mm-hmm. if you really want, he does well. I mean I mean the owner he has done very well for 9 years because it is sports entertainment with, like I said, a modified football. That's really what it boils down to. Yep. So he does a good job at it. And so that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Traditional players, if you're going to get fired up over this and getting all riled up, uh, you know, just stop the nonsense. Just get your house in order. You're going to put yourself in the same spot the WNBA did. The WNBA, as I mentioned in one of my posts, it's, it's taken 20 years for the WNBA to get noticed, to relatively get noticed, because it's in the shadows of the NBA. Okay, and so that's the battle that women's sports face because you're either in the shadow of a men's league, and for you guys, you guys are in the shadow of the NFL. So in order for you to be considered NFL, you know, like I said, there's there's things that have to happen. We a uh, six to eight true uh, pro, pro league, Division One league, has to be put in place for an audience, a sponsor, or some sort of person to say, "Man, that's damn good football. I think we need to support that." And in order for that to happen, like I said, that needs to happen first. And we're making strides. And that's why I'm saying there's a positive already going here. Let's not go back negative. Um, I think just, you know, avoid the voice, move forward, keep going what you're doing. Uh, I think, you know, the the WFA has made uh, tremendous strides in the last two years. There are negatives still, but, you know, the positives are outweighing the negatives because there is caliber football. As we started late in the season, uh, you know, the playoffs were, were very entertaining. There wasn't that many blowouts. Um, And then all of a sudden the finals here, entertaining as well. I mean, there are some, you know, exceptions to the rule, but for the most part it was entertaining for two quarters and three quarters and then things got, you know, spread out. But it was entertaining for, you know, at least two and a half, three quarters. And that's what you want to see when you go see a football game. You want to see something that's competitive. And so hopefully that's the case going forward. Um, You know, hats off to Lisa King and all the owners in the WFA. They just need to move forward. Live streaming needs to happen now. We need to maybe get serious about being a professional league with a six to eight real good Metro teams to support. And I think that'll be the key.
0: Well, yeah. And I also think that, um, you know, I I believe what tw- uh, around 20 teams from the IWFL uh, transition to the WFA before the season this year. Um, so that, allowed the league to grow. And I know over the last 15 years, you know, it's, you know, before the WFA um, began, they went back and forth with, you know, leagues. And then, you know, IWL had more people and then the WFA was brand new and now it's kind of transition. And if you just have one league, it makes more sense, you know? Um, and that way it allows teams, um, you know, you don't have a team from Chicago traveling all the way to Cali for a regular season game. You know, you can have games that are within your your conference and and the Midwest or, you know, the West Coast or the East Coast. It allows, um, makes more sense during the season instead of having just to travel all the country and we're not getting paid and we are, you know, dipping into our own pockets for these things.
1: And that's what I'm saying. That's the positive. I think the IWFL teams, New York, Montreal, uh, all the teams that came over, Baltimore, all of them that came over. Now everybody, if, the, if everybody's serious, this is the way to go. you got to have more proximity. In order for you to be viable and and, and make some money, it's got to be more proximity. And the proximity then will come with, you know, more fanfare and then obviously hopefully more intake, and then you go forward there. But uh, bottom line is there's, there's good things going on in the WFA, so we have to applaud those. Um, and there's obviously negatives still, but, you know, the negatives we can work out. We can still work chip away one at a time, but let's go positive, positive. and from the positives we need to stay on that road. Division three, like I said uh, when we started the conversation here, Division three is, is, is a key right there. That's a great, great story right there, and then you, Division two as well. So now, you know, if you keep on that roster size mentality, you're able to field, you know, 60, 100 teams great, but you need to spotlight top 10 teams. So you got to focus on Division One, not that you're going to neglect Division Two or Division Three. But if you're going to present real quality football to an NFL or to a big corp, you got to start spotlighting Division One teams. You know, and obviously that's the Renegades, that's New Sharks, that's, you know, Divas, that's Passion, uh, the Blitz, like the Force, Seattle. the slam. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you got to really start working at that because that's what's going to get to the next level. And and you also have to help you know you got to help Sam you got to help Katie and Jen by you know doing that because then they can speak to it in a more you know broad and larger scale and then at that point maybe it comes easier for them to dive in and support so they're, they're, you know that's the key right there i think that's where we need to get serious about six to eight teams and maybe put that product out there and see if people will take incline. client i think they will because you have quality players in those markets you have a lot of them, and a lot of them retired this year. A lot of legends retired. So hopefully, you know, yeah. the next batch of athlete is going to be similar to the previous ones that just left.
0: And we can only hope, you know. And then the the quality of coaches as well, like, you know, because just like we don't get paid, they don't. So, I mean, we pray, we're very grateful for our coaches. Like, they do the amount of time they spend away from their families and, and spend breaking down film just for us. You know, we – and then they coach, you know, high school ball, some of them. So they spend a lot of time, too, and they help develop this league just as much as we do, you know. So I think that um, if we – you're right, if we celebrate the little victories, we'll be able to, to move forward as a league for sure.
1: Yeah, and I, like I said, W has done a great job. Uh, the three-tier system works. It's proven. they got to stay on that mode on track. It helps the lower the lower feeder teams, in other words, the lower roster teams. It helps the mid-roster teams. And ultimately, it benefits the larger teams as well. So, you know, and then mm-hmm. there's people that switch, that players that will switch based on job or other relocation. And it's nice for them to, you know, maybe upgrade from okay, they go from St. Louis to now the elite, you know, which is a totally different mindset. You know what I mean? So now it's like, you know, if they relocate, they might go from a Division Two status now to a Division One, which is you know obviously mm-hmm. a great feeling emotionally. And then obviously the the bigger team wants you, so that's that's even a, a bigger bonus. Um, let me go over the games here. Um, 31-21, Dallas Elite on the third try wins the W Bowl Two in Pittsburgh. The Slam, Taylor Slam, 42-15 versus the Tampa Bay Inferno. Um, you know Tampa Bay is going back in the offseason and probably kicking themselves in the butt again. Because <laughs> they put you know one that. score last year and the two scores. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's just, it's not a bad thing. It's just they get to the finals, and, and that's, that's impressive enough as a team. So I'm not mocking them. They get here. So it's just a matter of them now getting better when they get here.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I think, um, like I said, our coaches put in a lot of work. I mean, we practiced six days before we came to Pittsburgh, and and each one of those days an hour was spent in the classroom. So our coaches are huge film buffs. Uh, I don't know if Tampa is that way. I don't know if other teams are that way. I just know how we operate in St. Louis, and, and I know it works. And so um, – and I think, um, like I mentioned before, we had a kind of a scare against Mile High. Uh, uh, offensively, we couldn't really get a rhythm and, until the fourth quarter, and our defense held it together for us until we could punch it in. Uh, so that was our scare. We knew then, okay, against Tampa we can't do that because we won't win. And so I think that's when we went in there, we're like, okay. And I think sometimes um, we feel as a team maybe – maybe I just speak for myself, uh, my opinion – Sometimes St. Louis isn't always appreciated or the slam's not appreciated in a sense that – or respected. Like we're not – we can't compete on a, you know, uh, a tier one level. And I think this year that we proved that we can't. And I know against Chicago we made a lot of mistakes. And and sometimes we think, okay, you eliminate those mistakes. What kind of game was – could that have been? Um, Because we put – you know, 20-something points up against Chicago. Like, that's a big deal to other people. And to us, it's it's not a big deal. We We know we can do it. You know what I mean? So I think next year, looking at Tier 1, isn't necessarily so far off for St. Louis, you know? So we like to make sure people understand uh, how hard we work and that we are good enough to compete at that level. And so beating Tampa Bay by that many points wasn't a surprise to us. You know, we watch film, and we know their areas of weakness, and we know our strengths. And, and our strengths outweigh their, their areas of weakness. So,
1: Well, I'll tell you what, all I can say is if you guys stay in Division Two based on roster, that's still okay because that's still building a competitive mm-hmm. franchise. And you're still building a good program. And I think that's the key uh, that I, I, everybody needs to understand. Uh, don't get to that stage where you feel like you've got to jump to the next level when you can just maintain the same level and still be competitive. And I think that's the key for all the franchises in in the WFA. They really need to reassess that and really be true to that and say, okay, we really mm-hmm. cannot be Division two. So and even though you play Division two uh, you know in your schedule or Division one in your schedule, that's even, that's even good, too, because now you can kind of like, you know, you play a Division One team, like you said, against Chicago, you can pretty much understand that maybe you're not at that level yet. And so, you know, given a loss or something like that, or even staying, to get, it's being, uh, staying to close to the game within maybe three or, or, or a quarter or less, you know, you build on that. And so at, that, at some yep. point you can make that assessment. But overall I still think it's great because the, the, the proximity issue was resolved And I think that benefits everybody, player, it benefits franchise, it also benefits uh, fans because if they want to go see you in in Chicago, it's not so much of a big drive or a flight versus having to go all the way across country, you know what I mean? So that also helps out as well. Awesome. So, uh, Taylor, I'm going to mention IWFL before we get out of here. IWFL Championship, Utah, once again, 34-18 against the Austin Yellow Jackets. I was really hoping Tony Fuller and company would you know, put up more of a fight and hopefully she would have won. That way she got a gold medal and a championship, but it's not meant to be. Um, Utah, very, very impressive team. Uh, they're top notch every year. So back-to-back chance as well. Founders bowl, Colorado freeze, 24, San San Antonio, uh, regulators, uh, six, uh, the all-star West team won 28 to 12 over the East. And the all-American game in the WFA was 28, 20 for the national conference. So, um, I will try to chime in with you uh, probably next season. I'll try to keep tabs on you. I really appreciate you making the time today. Um, short notice as well, got with you like this weekend when you're celebrating and everything. So, um, Slam D, just tell them, hey, love their football. These They're just vicious, and they're good.
0: <laughs> I'll let them know. I'll make sure I share the link on the page so they can definitely listen because they'll really appreciate it. So, yeah, you're they just they just lifestyle thirty-four th- friend requests within the next week or so.
1: Yeah, no, not problem. I mean, if they want to come on and talk uh, slam football, I'm more than happy to have that conversation because they deserve it. They're they're top notch and they played well all season too. I got like I said, I got to give them credit. Not just the, in the championship game, they did play really well um, all season. So they kept the competitive, like you said, with some offensive woes that you guys had during the season. So you know, give them credit. Hats off to them and uh, awesome job. And so St. Louis, back-to-back champion. I mean, that's got to sound good, back-to-back champs. Uh, So are we going for the the 3 P
0: Well, uh, I mean, that's the plan. Uh, Like, I don't know the regulations or what they plan on doing, um, if they're going to encourage or maybe enforce us to move to Tier 1 just because of uh how well we we've done the last two years, uh I do know that uh depending on our roster size that's something you know my coach and and, and we'll discuss with lisa king and, and the rest of the league what they plan to do next but um that's always always the final goal is to uh you know win another championship, and it, the target will be bigger, especially being back to back and and everyone's gonna wanna beat beat the champions, you know so
1: yeah. I would say stay in Division Two as long as you can because I think it benefits you ultimately as the te- uh, to the team, and then obviously you're building a buzz in the community as well. So it would be nice just to keep that going for a while. Um, so, but I you know, agree, if you I do agree. go to if you go to Division One, no problem. I've seen I've seen you guys compete against the big boys up in Division One, Minnesota, Chicago. So, um, so you, I'm pretty sure you can still do that. But uh, Division Two would probably be ideal. For you know, just to keep that roster, so you don't have to be worried so much about the roster size. Just trying to make that roster. Um, Taylor, thank you very much. Safe travels. I uh, will keep in touch with you. Thank you for uh, coming on, and uh, congratulations again to you and your team, and to the whole league in Pittsburgh. What a weekend! And so, if you guys want to get the uh, tweet on the championship game, like I said before, you can follow at mywSports for Tweet Recap, and then you can go to WFAProFootball.com, and you get Kyle Westcott's uh, recaps of every every um, championship uh, and the recaps there as well. So you can go to WFAProFootball.com. All right, Taylor, thank you. Have a great evening.
0: All right, thank you. You too. All
1: right, that was Taylor Hayes of the uh, back-to-back champion WFA Division II champs, uh, the St. Louis Slam and they're going for three. I'm pretty sure they'll be able to do it. So, uh, St. Louis Slam, as we talked about with Taylor, uh, what a defense! Awesome defense. So, uh, congratulations to them too. They just they play balls out. So, congratulations to the St. Louis Slam defense. Uh, we're gonna move on to a conversation, heated conversation in the group boards. So, uh, I think we'll we'll bring in uh, Rusty Rothauer, who's on on Facebook as well, and he was talking about the same thing I just talked to Taylor about a little bit ago in terms of the comparison, but we're talking about the LFL uh, founder and owner making the statement about, you know, the comparison between LFL and women's tackle football and Rusty here ended up making a comparison about uh, the trending radars on Google trends. So I wanted to bring him on so he can kind of clarify that because I know you've made a video of it, but let's just, you know, let's dive into that. It's going to be pretty much non-comparable. So Rusty, are you on?
2: Yep,
1: I'm here. Awesome. So, Rusty, you made the comparison on, um, on the group boards where you said, you know what, neither league, LFL, or traditional women's leagues in the U.S., even on the radar in terms of the NFL. But when you break it down further, uh, the LFL has like an eight-to-one edge over every, every other traditional league. So I think really the, the building block for the traditional leagues to even get a, better, a bigger trend for me is they would have to really work hard at putting a pro league together to even get on the radar.
2: Well, the, the, first of all, um, the, the acronym LFL people use. I, I know if you if you look at some of the comments Mitch Mortaza made back in 2012 and 2013, she said it was a, it was a, a significant rebranding effort they wanted to do. And in fact, I would encourage people to go search Google for. LFL rebranding, and look at articles. There's a Forbes article from 2013 where they quote him as saying that they're going to be the hottest sports property. Uh, they're going to outpace the WWE and UFC and all sorts of stuff. And changing the name did nothing. First of all, they didn't change the name. In anyone's minds, there's still still lingerie football. But changing the uh, L from Los of Legends, four years running hasn't done anything for that league to break into even the tiniest fraction of interest in football fans. Now I'm talking about the broad base of football fans. What they've done is a good job of marketing to get them to where they are, but there's a reason why they're not going to the next level. And, and I would say, I may be biased in saying this, if you took the marketing of the lingerie league with the talent and the style of play with the women's tackle football leagues, I think now you're breaking into that audience. I think that those two sort of paradigms need to somehow meet. The folks in women's tackle football need to to get better marketing, and that really is the thing that's holding them back, in my opinion, from a broader audience. The audience that we're talking about, you're referring to the Google Trends Metrics that I talked about in my video is, is real simple If you judge the WFA And the IWFL against each other You know there's More interest in the WFA than the IWFL but when you Judge them versus the lingerie league There's more interest in the lingerie league Than the other two leagues combined And that almost sounds impressive And if you want to stand up and say You've done something to Mitch Mortaza I would say Congratulations Uh, You've gotten more publicity by stripping players down into bathing suits than the other traditional leagues have done. But none of these leagues have cracked into that larger market. And I think there's so many talented athletes in all of these leagues that they deserve more recognition. And I think, again, if you could combine the marketing savvy of the lingerie league with the game of the the traditional women's uh, tackle football, I think you got something. Now I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe you know when that's going to happen,
1: but I don't know when that's going to happen. Well, I can tell you right now. Anybody listening here will say these are two guys uh, talking about this topic, and they're probably men, and they're more than likely sexist and all that. So I'm going to I'm just going to just cut it cut the cord right off and say uh, we're not. Uh, we respect either choice by the player. Number one, and number two, uh, the marketing. In the uh, WFA, just needs to be more driven to talented players. They need to do NFL-style marketing. And so, my well, thing is, yeah, well, my well, thing is, uh, Rossi. My thing is just, you know, let's get a pro league. Get serious about putting a pro league, just like the WNBA, just like the National Women's Hockey League, just, just like those leagues. You know, let's get a pro league. Six to eight true franchises. We're talking Boston Renegades as an example, New York Sharks. DC Divas, you got Pittsburgh Passion, you got Chicago Force. Just in a proximity where it's viable for fundraising, where it's great for intake, and then the marketing is fine. Now you got to promote the players. Who's your best player on the field, and promote them. In uh, it doesn't have to be exploitation matter marketing. It has to just be true athletic capability. This player is, you know, the best player with the best hands the best beast on the field with the best tackles, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you can start because then people will take notice. You've got a, a nice 6-8 short league with maybe an 8-game slate or a 10-game slate. People will start to notice that type of play.
2: So what, what, why did you – I mean, you start off by saying that people might think that we're two guys talking and that we're sexist or something. Why, why do you think that? I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have any – any idea why someone would think this was a topic that was off limits? When no, women what I'm is saying a, is we don't have
1: a, we don't have a female perspective onto the conversation, so somebody can go and say, "Well, just two men's talking about the sport of women's football," but there's no women's football players here. Uh, but you know, the bottom line is that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. Not all of them are going to have the perspective, so I'm, I'm not you know going it uh, as a look, blanket.
2: Well, well but, hey, look i I'm, I'm, I'm not a woman, so, I mean, I can't understand what a woman thinks, but I know this. If either one of my sons came to me and said they were getting ready to go play football for some team, and as they walked out the door, they left with their uh, G-string and um, and that's it, and, and, a, and a lacrosse helmet on, I'd say, wait, wait a second, hold on, what are you doing? And, and so, I, it's, it, to me, it's not an issue of gender at all. I just think that there's the, the, the traditional, you know, football as a sport has a traditional ethos around it. And you expect football to look a certain way. And I think that, I mean, it's, I, I don't have any problem with women wearing what they want to wear. And, and I'm not one of these people that says they're forced to wear those outfits in the NFL. They're not. They're not forced to wear that stuff. I tip my hat to all the athletes in all of these leagues. And I don't have anything negative to say about the women that play either sport, either the tackle football or the lingerie league. But what I do think is that there needs to be a different type of marketing for the teams you mentioned, for the Pittsburgh Passions, for the St. Louis Slams, for the Seattle Majestics, for all these teams in the WFA and IWFL who, who have almost zero marketing. And to say almost zero is putting it mildly. The championship took place last Saturday. As of last night, if you go to Google and you search Google News and you put in Dallas Elite WFA Championship, no article shows up anywhere. There's no sports agency anywhere that's talking about this, and there's no press release that was put out on a major press wire about it. There's nothing on M2. There's nothing on business wire. There's nothing on PR news wire, nothing on Reuters, nothing on the AP. So it, it, the very minimum level of marketing is just not happening. That's not a gender thing. It's not about the uniforms they wear. It's, the marketing isn't happening.
1: That's got to be Yeah, right, large. right, right. I agree. I agree. Uh, but the only thing I'm saying is, the the the, the two the two concepts are way oranges and apple uh, oranges and apples. Basically, it's just it's just weird. One's a hybrid sports entertainment uh, football. If you you know if you some people would don't want to call it football, but anyways, it's considered football. Just like Australian football is considered Australian football, but it's not true football, American football. But anyways, so it's you know it's blanketed in that m- manner. It's got shock value, so it goes to a marketing state, then it goes from a marketing state to a trending stage, and then all of a sudden, here it is, the average fan thinks this is what, you know, women's football is. So to change that perception, to your point, yes, yeah, we, the, but, the but, WFA but has not, to do wait, wait, has actually, to do better not, marketing.
2: There's not, a, there's not an average fan that's watching the LFL or WFA or IWFL because – Literally, not even one in a hundred, not even one in a hundred NFL fans are watching
1: any of these leagues. So, no, 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 I understand. I, said, I got your point. But what I'm saying I got your point, I understand that. There's no radar. They're not on the radar. That's, what, that's my point. For, sure. but for them, to get, for them to, be, to get on the radar competitively within each other, in other words, in a marketing status, to be, for the WFA to even have fans go well, there's a different type of sport. Uh, like I said, it has to be pro-league-driven. If it isn't pro-league-driven, then it's not going to get noticed. I mean, look at the WNBA. Like I said, example, it, t- it took 20 years for them to get noticed. 20 years in the shadows of the NBA. And even the NBA ended up supporting them for a couple years. But what I'm saying is that's the issue in women's sports. It's just the fact that you've well, got to okay, work but, a little harder but, in marketing. But,
2: yeah, but I, I want to address something here, if I can, about, um, you know, I, I, someone posted on Facebook today. And it was a guy, I forget his name, um, I think his name is Chris Glover. Check out Chris Glover, a post he made today. He mentioned that you can, you can have beauty and still have the pads on. And I want to take that thought and, and go kind of extrapolate that a little bit to say this. There are women in the traditional leagues that are well-spoken, intelligent, articulate. I mean, I can name five or ten right here. You know, uh, Dina Gidry, for example, San Diego Search, have you talked with her before? No, I have not. Okay, Dina Gidry, Allison Hamlin, Taylor Hay, you just talked with Taylor Hay. I've done interviews with dozens and dozens of these women, and y- y- they can keep all their clothes on, but they've got to have in front of the camera or in front of the microphone in interviews on a regular basis, you know, player profile pages for all the players in the league. You know, all the things that a pro league would do, you don't have to be a pro league, but you do have to have the trappings of a pro league, and that's just not rocket science, and it could happen. I mean, between now and a month from now, the marketing for these women could be radically, radically changed, and also from within. There are plenty of talented women, intelligent, gifted women in these leagues who need to have microphones and cameras in front of them, and then keep their clothes on. That's just all I'm saying. I just don't think it needs to be a dramatic change. It just needs to be something moving forward. And what you're doing is an excellent thing. But I think there needs to be a concerted effort by the leagues to create some sort of pipeline of, of content in a portal of some sort that people begin to recognize like the NFL does.
1: Yeah, and when, you know the, the one thing that I've always stressed to uh, any WFA player that I've talked to is You've got to just, you know, you got to leave the poking to the LFL, the bashing to the LFL, because all you do is is just basically go negative. You're wasting energy. It's a totally different ballgame. It's a different brand. It's not even in your league. Now,
2: do, you, do, you hear, do you hear a lot of people being negative? Because, to be honest with you, I, I didn't talk about this in my video from last night, but I, I meant to. I, I don't – I mean, I've had hundreds of conversations with players, coaches, owners, and fans, as have you. And in my private conversations and in my public conversations, there's not been one player, one coach, or one owner bring up the Lars Radio League to me, not one time. And I'm being honest about that. The only time they've ever talked to me about it is if I've brought it up. I, I just don't think there's that much of, you know, Mitch Mortaza wrote like there's some war of words between them. Let, let me break something down, man. Let me, let me keep it real for a second. You know what Mitch Mortazo did? Marketing. That's all it was. He knew by posting that there would be more people talking about the LFL. That's why he did that. All that nonsense about a bunch of players talking junk about his league, that is total BS. You know, Oscar, you and I both know on, on the regular, we do not have women coming to us and talking smack about the LFL.
1: And you know if, we, if we're not hearing it, it's not happening. Should we just be honest about no, I'm that? that, that whole I'm thing, just, the, only thing, the only thing I'm saying is he's, he's a great marketer. He, he does shock value, and this is a shock value moment, and that's why I'm trying to tell everybody in the group. Well, close, this it is it a it shock it value it moment. It, he just—he was, it was, it was it. trying to poke. He was trying to poke at somebody, and so you know, the, the bottom line is, you can't compare the 11-11 to his to his style of play at all. So just you know, if you take the women's no, world no, championship no, games no, that no, happen, no, and you does, does. take no, you, no, you take the champ, you, you take know. the championships that happen this weekend. There's no comparison there, so I mean that's what I'm saying. Uh, if, you, if any player is wasting their time on that, then they, you know, they shouldn't be wasting their time on that. They should just I focus just, on their I sport and get the going. I don't think they
2: are. what I'm telling you
1: is that I do not believe
2: there's some you know cadre of, of women in the WFA that I, and ladies, if I'm wrong, call in, post on Facebook or something. I just don't see it. I think no, it's Michelle not a majority.
1: Rusty, it's not a majority. It's probably a very minute minority. But what I'm saying is, okay, that then the, bottom is, Murtaza, the, the bottom line is the bottom
2: line why is, doesn't Mitch do, why, I mean, why doesn't Mitch Mortaza do what he claims other people ought to do? Why not not say anything at all? There's no point to that at all, except I think it's a marketing deal. And by the way, you said he's a, he's a good marketer. Well, how good of a marketer is he? Their players still aren't getting paid.
1: And my point is, is really- my point is, my point is, he's using the social media just to create a type of wave that would incite all these people, and that's what he did. He just made it, he just incited that in a, in, a, in a post. That's what I'm saying. That's what he does. Okay. the, the point here, here's the point I've made over uh, 2009 since I've been following his league. Okay. The point I've made. Okay. If he really wanted to compensate them, he would have done it a long time ago. He did not. I've talked to Nikki Johnson. I've talked to, you know, Tessa Burrell. I've talked to all of the players that were involved in his league. And if he wanted to compensate the player, he would have the means to do it. But he doesn't want to. And that's the bottom line. He doesn't want to. There's means to well, do it about, because, well, well, he, because well, he has sponsors well, and he well, has well, arena well, intake well, that's coming in. But he well, doesn't want to. That's just –
2: That's his business model, and and, and I'm not going to quibble it. Actually, he's a businessman, and in the WFA and the IWFL, the players in those leagues aren't getting paid. In fact, they're paying to play. So I think we all understand that the people that, to me, okay, look, here's kind of the big elephant in the room that no one talks about. Add up all the teams that exist. I, I, I really want people to sit down and think about this. Take every team in all of the leagues, the IWFL, the WFA, and I'm going to throw in the lingerie, lingerie league just for the purpose of the conversation. I know some people don't like talking about that, but one big family of female uh, football players. Now, think of all the money that's changing hands, and the players don't get a dime. The only people getting paid in these leagues are the people who are owning or at the top or advertising. It just the model is the same. Mind.
1: The model is the same. That, that's where your point is. That's what your point is. The model is the same. Yes. The model is the exactly. same. Whether it's on one it side with no clothes on. clothes on or whether it's on the other side with full, full gear on, the model is the same. I know that. That's what I'm saying. And until the w- traditional women's games get a pro mindset going, there will be no change. Wait, help me understand something because this is something which uh, Chris Glover on Facebook
2: also talked about. I thought this was a genius idea was it Chris, Chris Glover or somebody. I, I, if I'm getting the name wrong, I apologize. Okay, so you have thousands of women playing this sport. Do they not understand the power that they have in a large group like that? And I don't. And I would like some of the women to talk this out and, and figure out why is it. So many of these women on so many teams are still struggling to get the first penny for their efforts. Thousands of women every year go out there, and they've got because all we the have, power. Rusty,
1: but, Rusty, because we have different opinions from player to player, and not everybody sees eye to eye, and that's the facts. Different opinions from player to player, different points of view, not everybody sees one way forward and that's been going on for 30 years.
2: So technically technically what I'm saying is lately, lately,
1: lately in the last three years with the WFA and with the influx of the IWFL teams this year, then maybe things are are going to start to change.
2: Well, I think that the players have a lot more power than they understand or they know, and I think when they realize the power that they've got and they realize the gift that they have, that they could find a way to take that power and turn it into something truly revolutionary. Right now, it's the same thing every year, but at some point, the change is going to come, and it's going to have to come from within the ranks. The women, in my opinion, can quit waiting for the white knight to come riding in on a horse and solve this problem. And I've been arguing about this on Facebook for a long time. From within the game, whether it's lingerie, are full pads. it doesn't matter from within the game, these women, these powerful, smart, intelligent, gifted, talented women can take hold of this themselves. And that's what I would no, encourage we inter- these women to do. We remember. understand
1: that. That's why I'm that's why I'm saying it, but it's not happening. So until they figure that out, the only other options you have is to try to get to a, a league that somebody will perceive and, and take notice of. That's really what it gets, it's boiling down to at this point. So,
2: Well, in the meantime, I think that, you know, until the, the sort of the radical change comes, back to the point about the debate between the LFL and the other leagues, number one, I think was a marketing ploy by Mitch Fortaza. Um, I think that when he said in 2013 his leagues were going to be bigger than all these other leagues and all that, I think he's finding out that the idea he had met a certain demographic and it hasn't moved beyond that. And I don't think it's going to. I'm not taking away from the sport. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how many people have even watched a game. I watched my first game this past weekend, and it was between Seattle and Los Angeles. And I was actually fairly impressed. I, I thought that the, the play was way better than I was expecting. The thing I didn't like, to be honest, was the way the women were talking about each other on open microphones and the way the coaches were talking about the players.
1: That was, the yeah, show no, that, was but that's, that's Hollywood. That's what I'm saying. That's the edge of his league, which is Hollywood, which he has to bring into some sort of drama and spectacle into the game. And that's what he does best. So, um, you yeah. know what? This is what I've told everybody on Twitter because a lot of people on Twitter were like, hey, you cover the Legends Football League and you cover Women's Traditional Football League. My only beef with everybody is this, okay? There is one league in the U.S., which is Legends-style, there's six leagues in Mexico that is legend-style, and guess what? That's the only leagues there is in the world. There's more women's traditional football leagues worldwide, okay? You can count the leagues in legends or bikini-style football in, in one hand, technically.
2: So you have
1: power. The women's tackle football world has power. They just need to just start doing their thing, with marketing. They've got to market it. They've got to get better at it. Some overseas leagues do a great job. You got leagues in Finland. You got leagues in in um, Sweden. You got leagues in Australia. You got leagues in in um, um, Germany. You got leagues all out there that are doing live streams. The men's clubs support the ladies' teams. It just doesn't happen in the U.S. I don't know why. You would think you know Division One schools yeah, would support I yeah. this type of program. You would think an NFL club would take a, a team like that under their wing, but it doesn't happen in the states. I don't know why. North America, the, the birth of women's tackle football, doesn't do that. But internationally, it happens. I don't know why that model doesn't work here in the States. Well, you know, I mean, there are
2: some women in the sport specifically, like, for example, Rebecca Fernandez out of Seattle, or Ninchy Martin in San Diego, or, or Missy Benwell, who was in, in D.C., who's now in Tampa. When I talk with these women, they have voices of intelligence and rationality great ideas, very motivated, and it seems to me one of the things that this sport lacks is the cohesion where women on this level will all get together and do something like a players association or a union of some sort where they can get those ideas all working in one unit because individually I, I just think that They are greater together than they are apart, in my opinion. And every time I talk with them, I just wonder why more of them don't get together and work some of this stuff out. And uh, I think that's where the power is. I mean, listen, when you have, let's say, 2,000 women, and every one of them is paying to play this sport, they own the sport. They are the sport. They're the voice of, they're the product on the field, they're all of those things, and I don't know why they don't get together on the regular and work something out. Be their own marketing arm. No, I just,
1: yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Don't I don't know. The- like I said, I don't know if that's – I'm telling you, it's player to player, and it's going to be decision by decision, and that's what the barrier is, I think, really, because to your point, you've got other players that do want to go forward in that mindset, but other there's probably a majority of players that – don't want to deal with that And that's where That's where you have the divide Yeah
2: Well I mean uh, you, you said earlier Something about Um Men Or you and I Being seen as sexist Or whatever I've kind of gotten over Some of that Anyone that would think that Listen to me it's Just I don't know Not listen real careful Because Um I, I I want all of these women To succeed And it would be Fantastic to have Household names And posters on walls And all of that sort of stuff Um and, and I don't care whether they got bikinis on or full pads. These athletes need recognition, and that's what I'm trying to do. I know it's what you're trying to do too. And if any women hear what we say and think that we're sexist or something, I mean, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, I'm trying everything I can to get them more exposure. Uh,
1: I try to I try to stay as I try to stay as neutral and non-political and no agendas on my coverages. Because that's what my uh, brand was founded on, and I'm not going to pick sides. I'm not taking sides because the leagues themselves, well, what's that? What's that? Uh, the leagues themselves, look, the leagues themselves have a responsibility to their players, and so if the leagues themselves don't make that responsibility a priority, then uh, that's not going to happen for me. That's what I'm saying. Because, like you said, there's players okay. internally that can make that happen. There's owners that are listening that can make that happen. So ultimately, it falls on their hands to make that change.
2: No, I, I agree with you about that, but I just keep—I'm haunted by the idea of so many people who do so many good things individually, and I know you keep talking about that, um, but they're not getting together in a larger sense and fusing their resources into one. Let, let me let me let me blow people's minds for a second. Every woman who may be in the WFA and IWFL, if each woman would have put $100 into a pot, not I mean, maybe $100 sounds like a lot. I don't know, maybe not, but not, let's say $100. You could have easily a couple hundred thousand dollars. You could use that to hire a professional marketing company over the course of the next two or three or four years to come in and sit down and groom these leagues to be the next big sport. And and women, I want to say this to you again. If you put together a pot of money, 50 bucks a piece, 100 bucks a piece, and you all get on board, hire a marketing firm, and you're going to be on the radar within the next 18 months. It's just a matter of getting together and doing it. It's, to me, it's just, it just... I know that Mitch Mortaza at the Legends Football League at Monterey League, he gets credit for being a savvy marketer. Listen, I got an idea. Let's put women in bikinis and have them, I don't know, uh, uh, play basketball. Oh, yeah, that's already been tried. What about baseball? Oh, yeah, that's been tried, too. Bowling? How about you know, bikini bowling? You could do all, women in bikinis and calendars and in movies. Okay, the genius is he was the first to put bikinis on women to play football. But let's move past that. Let's move past that. and let's, if, if you're someone in a league that's not getting the marketing that you think you deserve, hook up with the players on your team. Start some organization. Get some marketing behind you and make it happen. Again, I, I don't want to keep ranting on this. I apologize, Oscar, but I'm passionate about it because I don't think it's that hard. I think we're only 18 months away from nationwide, if not worldwide, recognition.
1: No, and, and the point the point I'm making here, as I made with uh, Taylor before, is I think the WFA has made some strides. Now they really need to, you know, they need to really maintain the tier system. If they go forward now, like to your point, you got to branch out and start putting money where it makes sense, which is marketing, and let's get the brand, the WFA brand, to stand out no different than the LFL brand. And we, we already know, based on your research, they're not even. Neither of them are on the map in terms of a trend. So it's so it's an equal battle right now. So it's just a matter You're of who's right. going to get right. ahead. Who's going to get ahead? That's really what it boils down to. Who will get ahead? Because they don't have a footprint, like you said. Once you compare them to the NFL, they're they're non-existent. So technically, they're, yeah, uh, right. they're both on the same same page, basically.
2: Yeah, which is weird. I want to. The only thing I'll say on this discussion that is going to stray into gender or. Or anything remotely um, about the way women look is this? I hear people say that the the Legends League, the lingerie league, is full of all these really hot women, and that's what the attraction is. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I won't debate that. Okay, fine. But I, I don't know how many guys have had a chance to check out some of the women on the tackle in the women's tackle leagues, like the WFA. I didn't even know. There's some really attractive women on those teams, too. If, if, if the attraction is good-looking women, if that's what Mitch Mortaza has, the WFA and the IWFL in sheer numbers have more attractive women just in sheer numbers. That's why I'm the, saying the, I don't think... The key, Ru- Rusty, the, the, Rusty the,
1: key, the key is promotion. There's, there's some teams that do good promotion. You know, Chicago does very good promotions before each game whether it be in a poster-style uh, set, you know, with their defense, with their offense, a one-key player, you know, like Jeanette Gray. There's franchises in the WFA that do a really good job locally with promotions. League-wide, it needs to happen that way. That's what I'm saying, for them to even right. get noticed.
2: Yeah.
1: It has to be league-wide.
2: I I, yeah, I agree with you. I just wanted to make the point for anybody who was wondering that the Legends League does not have a lot on attractive women. So if, if there's some myth out there That that's the difference uh, That ain't the difference
1: Because there's just no, that's, as many
2: that's, If not more
1: I don't even go into the physical Because I don't really think It makes a difference The on-field play is the difference And the athleticism is the difference And and you know, Taylor's point the same some, some of them have played Legends football league And they play a WFA as well And that's their choice So
2: but no, no, I'm not saying that the way you look has any bearing on what's happening in the field. No, I'm right, right. saying that the, the, the people who make the argument that the reason the, the, reason the Las Rea League is so popular is because of all these good-looking women, um, you need to, like, talk to the, the women of the WFA because there's more good-looking women in the WFA. So if on I no, the IWFL, no. so I'm, I'm just saying if that's the reason people are watching that sport, they're watching for the wrong reason.
1: Right, right, All right, correct. All right, Rusty, um, great, great conversation about this topic, and I know it was heated on Facebook. So I just thought I'd bring you up and as well, and then you made a very good point on the video as well. Some some really good insights as well. So I really appreciate you coming on and um, tackling this debate and this this uh, topic. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is we do have um, amazing football being played. We still have not just in the U.S., but coming up in Australia in another two months. We got the finals in Mexico, I mean, the, the new leagues in Mexico uh, starting all over again, and FX, Mexico. Overseas, we got the German league finishing up there, uh, going into the playoff mode. Um, so there's a lot of play going on. There's also an international matchup. If you guys didn't check it out, uh, go to our Twitter feed. Italia Blue Team, the women's team from Italy, who is preparing uh, to to put up a team in 2020 at the World Women's Championships, was playing the uh, uh, the Warsaw Sirens from um, Poland. So you can catch the feed there on our link as well, or go to our Facebook page and catch that action as well. And so, you know, there's more women's traditional football on a percentage bigger than there is in a non- you know, non-women's tackle football like the uh, Legends Football League. So, bottom line is That's where we're at. Um, Just, you know, the the leagues exist. Let's make a dent on observation and awareness so that you can get some corporate sponsors and and get some things going forward. Um, So hats off to the WFA for an amazing weekend, the W Bowl weekend in Pittsburgh. Also hats off to the IWFL in uh, Cotton uh, Cotton High School in Utah and Murray, Utah, also for their awesome weekend. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to, um, like I said, Kyle Westcott out of my – W Sports, um, and uh, Luis Sanchez as well for doing a great job on Twitter and all our other contacts on Twitter that covered the events on um, there. Go follow us on, on Facebook at Gridiron Beauties for any uh, breaking news and updates and the latest in women's tackle football. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Uh, check out our Zazzle site, 20% off everything at the shop till tomorrow, 20% off. Check out our new stuff, our chalk line, also check out all our no-joke football gear as well as there. So, Rusty, I really thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, all your insights. Um, I know we're all both passionate about the game. We're both passionate about women's soccer football, so uh, it's great that we can voice it out as well on this platform as well as on the group boards. And let's, you know, let's make this game stand out on the map, and it's going to take a lot of work from everybody.
2: Well, I appreciate you letting me come on. Do you mind if I say something as we close? What was that? You might have to add something as we close. No, go ahead, Ed. Yeah. I just want to just make sure people understand that if you're a player in any of these leagues, you need to realize the power you have as an individual with a group of other talented, powerful women to make change happen. The sport lives and breathes because of you, the player. You're funding it with not just your money, but your blood, your sweat, and your tears. And you need to hook up with other women. And you guys together form something even more powerful than individuals you as individuals you have on your own. And I think you're only eighteen months away from household names for some of y'all. And I hope that you understand just how much power you actually have. Start using that
1: power and you're gonna win. Thanks for having me on. Great. I appreciate it, Oscar. Great point. We'll catch you later. Thanks for uh chiming in. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Man. Take care. All right. So that was Rusty Ross Waller uh and he was on the Facebook group boards with the uh you know the, the the issue with uh the Legends Football League founder and owner Mitchell Mortaza, making a statement um and then uh Katie Sowers responding to it. So the bottom line is we need to just focus on Uh, the WFA as a general rule, or the IWFL as coming together, both leagues absorbing into one, making one brand stronger so that that brand stands out. Like I said, there's no comparison between the two leagues. There's nothing there. So it's a matter of each of them doing their thing. But bottom line is women's traditional tackle football has an advantage. It is played internationally, worldwide, in more markets than anything. And so it is played overseas overseas. It is played internationally. I mean, there's just a lot more, uh, you know, full-kit leagues internationally everywhere that there's no worry there. It's just a matter of the women's tackle community coming together, whether it be the leader, which would be, you know, the biggest league in the world as the WFA claims to be, then they got to take that lead. they got to get the owners together. they got to brainstorm with their best superstars from either Team USA or teams in general internationally. And they got to get the ball rolling about how you put this brand at a level of, a, of an NFL. How do you put this brand at a level of a WBA, a level of something noticeable in sports? And it can be done. And I think that they're on the right track. Um, I know I've spoken to Deidre Silva on Twitter regarding some of the marketing that the WFA is planning to do going forward. I spoke to other people about how things are going. Um, let I hope Lisa King is listening. Um, you know, there's a lot of positives in the last two years with the tier system. Keep that going. And then now we've got to get into marketing. You know, marketing is going to be the key. Now we've got to get to the next level. Uh, we got to, you know, showcase the superstars in each market, metro markets, uh, maybe get, uh, like I said, a 6 to 18 league going, and then maybe that will be the difference when you get noticed from sponsors, the NFL or other valuable uh, people that obviously consider this to be some sort of investment. And that's really what it boils down to. The league, the brand – has to be a good investment in order for somebody to take it under their wings. So um, that's my two cents to the whole thing. So I don't chime in on the group boards as often, like I say, because I'm a busy man. But for the most part, when I do chime in, I try to make just a simple point on that, and hopefully that was the case today with the show. Um, Legends Football League, we're going to talk about playoffs right now. Playoffs in the Legends Football League, pretty much broken down already. Uh, It was broken down pretty much the, the middle of the season. The schedule was so bad. And it's been so bad all season long. And there's no other way to describe it at this point with the scheduling because it has been horrible. There's been blowouts almost every other week, if not consecutive weeks. So, um, you know, Mitchell, I'm, I don't know what to tell you, but just a bad schedule this year. I mean, it was competitive the last couple of years. I'll give you credit for that. Uh, but, you know, lately it's been 98 to zeros. it's been 60 to 0s, 106 to 0. I mean, just a lot of donuts with big numbers. Uh, last week alone, the Bliss played Omaha Heart 60-0. to You can catch the Week 13 game, uh, Austin Acoustics taking on the Seattle Miss on our Twitter feed, 62-6 to was the final. You can catch that game there as well. This coming week, you're looking at Denver Dream, which is going to be a nightmare for them. The Chicago Bliss taking on the Denver Dream July 29th. Then they finish, the season gets finished up in Atlanta uh, versus L.A., which is going to be a really good matchup August 5th. The playoffs are August 20th. That's going to be at the Sears Center in Chicago, and that's going to be uh, Chicago Bliss taking on Atlanta Falcons, uh, and then we're looking at the L.A. Temptation taking on Seattle Miss. Uh, we did have Coach Tui scheduled for an interview today, and unfortunately Coach Tui um, could not make it. So I apologize for the coach. I apologize for not having the coach on, and so we'll hopefully get him back in the future. He's been very insightful in the past given us breakdown on the lfl but um he could not make it so i apologize for the post that did specify coach stewie here to come in today but unfortunately he could not make it so i uh, thank you for trying to make an effort to get here and be on the show but it's it just not it happened so coach wish you well against atlanta week 16 against the steam and so uh for uh kishi free who is not here hopefully she'll be back next week uh, this is Oscar Lopez. Hope you guys had a great time with us today. Thank you to Taylor Hay for reviewing the W Bowl II championship. Congratulations to O.J. Jenkins of the Dallas Elite getting her uh, ring as well as her gold medal. Uh, congratulations to the St. Louis Slam and the D in St. Louis and the Arkansas Wildcats uh, who only filled, filled it on a 13-man squad and Orlando Anarchy as well for having a great season as well. So uh, Utah Falcons, the same. Just everybody knew that that was going to happen. It was going to be a tough battle. So uh, congratulations to them for having that uh, great season as well. So uh, catch you here next week as we talk more uh, women's tackle football as well as NFL with NKC Free. Uh, Oscar Lopez here with the Grand Blitz. Make sure you uh, check out our podcast and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and right here on Block Talk Radio. So uh, I catch you guys next week. Have a great night, everybody.